0: Would you like predictable income secured by real estate? HBG Capital offers you the opportunity to invest in real estate that is built to be transparent for the investor while designed to be insulated against economic volatility. We provide investors an effortless way to diversify beyond traditional investment opportunities like stocks and bonds and even popular real estate. Our syndication and lending opportunities offer a high rate of return and are 100% passive, delivering truly effortless income. Many other investments offer passive income in the 4-6% to 6% range. Our opportunities have delivered fixed rates of return in the double digits since inception. Retirement accounts such as self-directed IRAs and self-directed Roth IRAs also qualify for this investment. So. If you are looking for an effortless investment with double digit returns, then visit our website, www.hbgcapital.net. Learn more today at hbgcapital.net. Welcome to the recession-resistant real estate radio, where we talk about real estate, passive investing, business strategies, and so much more. I'm your host, Brandon Cobb, CEO of HPG Capital. Now let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode. Today, I'm excited to jump into the nuts and bolts of a syndication from start to finish. If you've thought about investing in syndications, maybe you don't know what a syndication is and you'd like to know what to expect, This episode is for you. I also want to go over what to expect, what a good syndicator or sponsor looks like versus a bad one, some of the red flags to watch out for so that you can protect your capital and prevent a loss. That is the goal here. So let's jump right into it. If you're not familiar with a syndication, a syndication is just a vehicle that is used to pull investors funds together so that they can purchase larger assets so you individually might not be able to go out and purchase an apartment complex but if you team up with a bunch of buddies you can't and the syndication is the vehicle that you use to do that um, typically there's two main parts to a syndication and really all a syndication is is an LLC usually it's a limited liability company Um, It's just using the 506B or 506C vehicle, usually in order to pull investors' funds together. There's two main parties involved. That's the GP or the general partner and the LP, the limited partner. The limited partner is most of the time the investor. The person who's just putting up the capital, they're in a limited position, means they don't want to be involved in the day-to-day operations and finding the deals and managing the deals and choosing contractors and executing the performance. They don't want to do any of that. And then you have the general partner. The general partner is usually the sponsor. The sponsor is the one that is building the packets, presenting the information to the investor. It is the brand that is um, working with the investors to raise the capital for the project. And so you've got class A shares on the limited liability company's operating agreement, and you have class B shares. Uh, Could be reserved for either or, but those shares outline the duties and responsibilities of the general partner and the limited partner. Again, limited partners don't really have to do anything. They're usually just investing capital. It's the general partner that is doing all the heavy lifting, doing the work, managing the deal, finding the deal, uh, pulling investor capital, et cetera, et cetera. So those are the two main parties that are involved in a syndication. Now there's two different types of opportunities usually that you can invest in, especially when it comes to real estate. One is debt and the other is equity. It's very important you understand what you're investing in because each one of those investment types have dramatically different consequences and rewards depending on which one you're invested in. Uh, so do your research on debt and equity. I'm not going to spend a ton of time spending on that today. If you do, Want to learn more about that and equity, you know, watch one of our previous uh, episodes on like a past deal we did. We talk about a debt deal we did. We talk about an equity deal that we did, but those are the two types. Debt is basically you're the lender. You're the bank on the deal per se. If something bad happens, you're probably going to get a piece of ownership and whatever they uh, gets foreclosed on equity. You're a partner in the deal. So you share in the gains and you also share in the losses. So that's the first part. Now, once the sponsor. Has sent this deal out, and you as an investor have vetted this deal. The next step is to send in a soft commitment. Hey, I want to send in this soft commitment. So when you're ready, basically telling the sponsor, Hey, when you're ready, I want to wire this amount. Typically, it's industry standard that about fit anywhere between fifty dollars and $100,000 is the minimum investment requirement. Now, some people will do a different type of uh, Reg D and some other uh, vehicles where you can raise uh, a lot less money, but most uh, do a 506B or 506C and it's a $50,000 minimum. Now, once the syndication starts and they call the, uh, the funds, you have to be ready to send the money. This is something that you need to be sure that you want to do because you're going to put the sponsor in a very difficult position if you change your mind last minute because he needs that money to buy the asset. He has put, he or she has put earnest money on the line in their reputation with the seller of that asset to perform. And if you influence that and are negligent in your ability to perform, when you say you're going to perform, it can negatively affect the sponsor. This is why usually the sponsor wants a plan B and to usually have more commitments than he needs in the event that a few people uh, drop out. So make sure that you've thoroughly vetted the investment. You're not going to need this money for a home purchase or a kid's college or anything for three to five years, because as we've seen with what's happened over the past year and a half interest rates, uh, your turnaround time to get your money back could get prolonged due to economic circumstances. So that's the next step. They call it due, you wire the money, and then here's where the fun begins. So Next step is your money will go into the sponsor's bank account, and that money is then used as equity. You're a partner in the deal. Usually, you're an equity investor in this circumstance to go out and get a bank loan. This uh, bank loan, for example, it is usually industry standard to be 80% or below, hopefully around 70% loan to value. In other words, if you're buying an asset for $1 million dollars, you typically don't want to see the loan from the bank be more than 70% loan to value, especially in today's circumstances. In other words, $70, 70, uh, $700,000 on the $1 million purchase. And so the rest is uh, is basically equity in the deal from the investor's capital. What happens next, depending on the deal, if it's a multifamily deal, uh, they're usually raising funds uh, from investors to get money from the bank to perform the renovation. And their whole goal of performing the renovation, if it's a multifamily unit, is to increase net operating income. They want to force appreciate this asset using the renovations to attract new renters who are willing to pay higher rents, because it is a nicer area to live compared to the competition. This is where The sponsor really needs to know what they're doing and have a great value add strategy because this is where the value of the asset is determined. Your net operating income, which if you don't know what that is, uh, I did an episode on all the terminology you need to understand before making an investment. You need to know the scorecard and how to read the scorecard. Go check out that episode. It's called uh, speaking the language or, you know, terms you need to know something like that. It tells everything, but your net operating income is. Basically, what is left after all expenses are paid on this apartment complex? So what is that bottom number after the loan, the salaries, the utilities, the taxes, everything is paid? How much is it producing? And then that combined with the cap rate, and a cap rate is just a a fancy schmancy way of saying like, hey, here's how much the asset is uh, worth if it is a six cap Here's how much it is worth that if it is a three cap, the cap rate combined with the net operating income produces the value of the property. Um, you basically take the, um, divide the net operating income by the cap rate. Cap rates expressed in a percentage. So for example, I think if you've got like a a $6,000 net operating income, it's producing $6,000 per year in just free cash flow. And, uh, you're noticing that assets are trading at a 6% cap. You divide $6,000 by 0.06, you get $100,000. That's what that asset is worth. That's how to determine that formula. So everything is predicated on being able to take the $6,000 and boost it up to $8,000. Cause then we go from a hundred thousand to, you know, $130,000, whatever that math ends up being. So that's the whole goal with the equity. Is to be able to fund the renovations and turn over those units, where they're now able to increase rents, increase net in operating income. Now, if you're doing a development, it's it's very similar. The money is basically used to go and get bank loans and force appreciate the value of the property. If you're doing a land development project, you're buying it for ten thousand dollars per pad. If you're you know going to be developing a hundred lots for some other builder and you're buying them for $10,000 per pad, and it's costing you $40,000 per pad to develop, your all-in cost is $50,000, and your plan is to sell them for $80,000, that would be a value-add plan. And that's what the investor's capital is used to do. It's equity that's designed to go get a bank loan. Usually in land development deals, there's always an end buyer that's already locked in with a 10% deposit. The bank always wants to see that, hey, there is there is an in buyer that is ready to take these out. They're well financed and they have a 10% deposit for the purchase price locked in. So there's there's consequences if they don't perform on the purchase. And what will then happen, hopefully along the way as an investor, the sponsor should be giving you updates. At the very minimum, they should be giving you monthly updates. On these updates you should be receiving, uh, you know, the status of the apartment complex, you know, what the vacancy rate is. Uh, how many units are being renovated? What the current rents are? You know, how much the rents have increased and some future projections based on how many units are being renovated? In other words, how well are we doing compared to the pro forma and how well are we doing compared to the exit plan? Each update should give you that. It should also show you updates, photos and videos of the property and the renovations that are being done. Basically, as transparent as possible to make you the investor feel like you're there and you know what's going on without actually being there. Same thing if you're doing like a development project, you should be getting uh, a, a, a timeline, a Gantt chart showing the exact construction schedule, the anticipated start date, the anticipated end date, where each trade falls within that timeline so that you can cross check and reference If what the sponsor is saying is actually matching up with what they're sending you and you should be getting photo and video updates. How is this development going? Have we started the framing? Have we gone, uh, are we dried in? Do we have all the mechanicals in? All of the pictures should match and agree with what the updates say. Now, the fun part is you're being down at this point, you funded, you've uh, executed the value-add strategy. Now it's time to actually get paid. So how does getting paid work? Well, on a multifamily property, Depending on stabilization period, stabilization period is when the pro forma has basically been executed, and they have uh, increased uh, what they feel is a uh, acceptable amount of the rents and maxed them out as much as they feel that they've maxed them out, uh, and they've got freestanding cash flow. At this point, there should be distributions that happen to the investors on a quarterly basis. So, what does that look like? In order to get distributions from an apartment complex, in this example, on a quarterly basis, the first thing that happens has to happen is as the rents come in, think of the rents coming in and a waterfall pouring over. That's the term waterfall if you see that in that structure. The first thing that gets paid by the waterfall of income from the rents is the bank loan. The next thing that gets paid is operational expenses run the business, salaries, et cetera. After that gets paid, then you have the preferred return of the investors. So any freestanding cash flow that gets paid after that um, is, is you know, basically going to the investor bucket until that gets filled up, whatever was promised or outlined in the agreement. Once that gets filled up, then at that point, once the preferred return to the investors has been hit, now the general partner should start to get a cut. And that cut is deal specific, um there are many different types of structures that you can do but a lot of them will do a like a hurdle waterfall once the investors hit let's say like a 8% pref then 85% of all the profits go to them and 15% go to the general partners up until uh, let's say like a you know a 10% once the investors hit 10% then it goes to a 70% uh investor LP split to a 30% general partner split. And let's say it goes, to, and then once they have filled that bucket up and they filled up the 15% IRR to investors, then it goes to like a 50-50 split after that. So it's hurdles that incentivize the, the general partners to increase their returns to the investor Once that happens, they profit more. So the more money they make investors, the more money they make as GPs. So there's a very beautiful alignment right there. And you want to make sure that the general partners alignment and um, incentivization is directly aligned with the investors. If it's a development deal, it could be a similar uh, waterfall. You know, we're honestly big fans of just doing a waterfall where 100% of the returns go to the investors until we have hit their preferred return uh, that we hit. Uh, and we're basically out of it at that point there are, I'm sorry, they are out of it and we profit on the remaining lots or the remaining land or the remaining entry level homes that we have, uh, for sale. So, um, you know, we're a little bit different and nuanced. We don't do these crazy, <laughs> I call them complex, like hurdle structures. I'm just a simple boy from Tennessee. And so we just do a 100% waterfall to the investors until they get paid out of the deal and then we profit on the remaining of it. So. That's how the cash flow works. You want to make sure that you understand as a limited partner, as an investor, how you're going to get paid back and where you fall in the equity stack. Like, what is going to get paid out before you get paid out? So very important concept to keep in mind. Hopefully uh, this makes sense and gives you a little bit of enlightenment on the process. And uh, hopefully uh, uh, you've got some really good deals going with the sponsor because you can do even more deals with them. And hopefully they got another one lined up for you, ready to rock and roll. All right, that's the end of this one. We'll see you next time.